guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host once again, Robbie Burke, and we are brought to you by upmentorship.com, one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. To get instant access to almost 20 hours of world-class online video strength and conditioning information, go to upmentorship.com and help support the show. This episode's guest is physiotherapist Dave O'Sullivan. Dave is the clinical director for Pro Sport Physiotherapy in Huddersfield, as well as being the head physiotherapist for the Hudderfields Giants Rugby League Club. Dave is also the head tutor with the Pro Sport Academy, which is an intensive 12-month mentorship program designed to cater for only 25 rehabilitation specialists to bring their mastery of sports injury rehab to the next level. On this episode, Dave and I discuss many topics, including Dave's rehabilitation philosophy, problems that Dave sees within the rehabilitation from sports injuries, ACL rehabilitation, the biggest things that Dave has learned over his career so far, Dave's top resources, as well as discussing the Pro Sport Academy mentorship program. This was a really great show, guys, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, David O'Sullivan, it's an absolute pleasure to finally have you on my podcast. Uh, I know this is something, you know, I do this with a lot of guests that come on. I'm always like, you want to come on my show? And they're like, yeah, 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 let's get something together. And about three years later, it's like, you yeah, still want to come on my podcast? <laughs> so finally, we, we finally connected. Uh, David is the physiotherapist for the Huddersfield Giants. Is that what we said it was? Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, with regards to your background, Dave, like there might be a lot of listeners here who may not know who you are, even though like you know you're a world class physio, maybe just your online presence isn't quite as what you know up to what some other people are out there, and um, we definitely know that's going to change with your with your new pro academy, which we'll definitely be talking about throughout the show. But just for the listeners who don't know who you are, Dave, just give us a background. Yeah, um, I'm a physio. I've got a physio degree. Um, I've got a higher certificate in physiology and health science from IT Carlo. Um, in Ireland and then I got the physio degree over in the UK and I've got a master's in strength and conditioning now from uh, St. Mary's wow, in yeah. London uh, last year I, I completed that um, I went straight from uni into working rugby league uh, with these rhinos for a few years and then I went to Ireland for a brief stint with rugby union with, uh, with Munster and then, uh, for family reasons, came back to uh, the UK again to Huddersfield Giants, which that's kind of where we, we used to always live anyway. So um, I graduated from Huddersfield and my wife's from Huddersfield. So uh, it was kind of a natural uh, job, really, for me to go to next. Um, you know, it's quite local, which, which was handy. Just a, a personal question for myself, and we spoke with this offline. How, how did you find your, your master's at St. Mary's that, you know, that you just completed? How, how did you find it with your work schedule? Was it, was it very doable? Was it a lot of work? Uh, yeah, it, it's one of those. You can you'd probably get as much out of it as you want to. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, with myself, it is, um, when, I, when I went to Ireland, I was on my own. I went over on my own. My wife and, um, and daughter, we'd only one daughter at the time. She... They stayed in England for a bit, so I kind of got settled. So I kind of ploughed through. I think I done four modules in my first year, so that was kind of quite a lot to do. Um, but I was on my own, so I could crack on with it. Um, whereas, you know, in the evenings I'd go, you know, I'd use UL, the library and stuff, and, and just crack through there. But it, it's quite a bit of work. As much pass it, or you can actually, you know, listen to the lectures and do the background reading, you know. So there is quite a bit. If you want, if you're to do every single detail, it's a lot of work. Uh, but 
Um, it's great. I was probably in the middle there, really, with, between passing assignments and and do you know I watched all the lectures and stuff, but um, it it is quite time consuming to be fair, but it, very very good, and uh, you know I enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it to be fair. Mm, very good, very good. Just um, so Dave, who would you say have been the biggest influences on you, not only now as a practitioner and as a coach, but also as a person? Um, <laughs> good question. Um, you've hit me there with the person one. <laughs> That's deep stuff. Um, I don't. I suppose um, when I qualified, I was lucky to work with uh, with a physio called Myron Jones. Uh, he's uh, he's the physio now in Australia, in Essendon AFL, and he was kind of my mentor uh, coming out of uni. You know, I'd done a, an actual student placement with him, and then um, he kind of mentored me. Kind of confirmed. He he was his philosophy was very similar to what I was reading as a student. So I was kind of reading Shirley Sharman's book, um, kind of the functional movement screen, all that kind of stuff. Um, when I was um, when I was an undergrad, and, and he was kind of allowed me to to take that on board and, and use it in in the sporting setting. And you know, and I, when I qualified, I went on and, and got a job with him. So he would have been a massive one at the time. And Martin Higgins, uh, who was also involved with pro sports, um, I've done a placement with him. So the two of them, from a professional point of view, um, the kind of hands-on work, um, you know, they kind of probably showed me a lot of my early hands-on um, skills and, you know, and and kind of opened my eyes to the fact that the hands-on work is so important and can make massive changes, especially in sport as a, as a physio, really. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that professionally, um, as a person, <laughs> I'm not sure, obviously, my parents, probably a big impact, my dad, um you know, getting us involved in sport in uh, in early doors. You know, I th- I think that's quite useful to be involved, especially in team sports. Um, you know, from an early age, if you're working in sport now, and I always see that with with students that come in, and you know, the students that have a sporting background always seem to do well because they can relate to the lads and and the banter. You know, it, you know, especially rugby league is quite intimidating coming in. You know, the banter's unique, and same in rugby union. To be fair, so people that are, have been involved in, in team sports and, and just the sporting environment, they can kind of relate to the players a lot better versus kind of students that come in with no background in sport. So I think being involved in Gaelic football in, in Ireland, you know, growing up and stuff has been um, been pretty important as well in, in kind of, you know, your personality and, and getting on with people. And, um, you know, I think that's important when, you know, when you are involved in team sports yourself, working in a professional capacity. Yeah, yeah, big time. big time. I remember uh, you did a webinar for Anthony Renna maybe four or five years ago, and uh, you know it was it was a really good webinar. It made me realize like how unique the sport of rugby is from a from a physio standpoint. I mean, just because of the different types of injuries you were seeing, like can maybe get into that and explain to the listeners like the kind of uniqueness of working with professional rugby from from a physio standpoint. Yeah, I mean it. It's a, from a physio point of view, it's a dream come true, dream job because there's no other sport. I don't think that you're going to get that exposure to injuries, literally from your skull right down to your your foot. Um, I mean, this, some of the stuff I've, I'm seven years in it now, and some of the stuff I've seen is just ridiculous. Um, but it's good um, from a professional point of view. You know, not good for the players, obviously the athletes. But you bet you, you'll see everything. You know from neck pain um, jaw pain concussion you know and I could literally go through the body and I, I've probably seen it and I think that's important especially in private practice as well now is 
you know, you, you're used to treating everything, um, you know, so it's good. So it gives you good exposure and you kind of have to learn the full body. And the more you kind of go on, on along that journey, the more you realize it's all connected anyway, you know, right from the, the head down to the foot. Um, so you kind of quickly kind of realize that actually, you know, the previous injuries that the lads have had, the impact that, that that's had on, on these new injuries, especially if they're non-traumatic or, or non-contact injuries, um, so you know, to have an opportunity to work in rugby union or league, you know, it's brilliant because they're quite tough lads as well, and you know, you have to manage a lot of stuff till the end of the season. So you know, a lot of players will get operated on towards the end of the season. So you know, they have no pathologies, and you know, it's a credit to rugby league and rugby union players. Some of the stuff that they play on with, you know, they're tough lads, and they want to work hard. There's a great work ethic in them, which you know. They take on board what you say, they respect you, and they'll do what, well, the majority will do what you tell them. So it's good for you to kind of, you know, to see actually the impact that your you know, techniques and stimulus that you're giving them is actually doing versus somebody that, you know, that, you know, will, ju- will just fob you off and won't do actually what you're asking them to do. So it's a dream environment to try stuff. Um, you know, all the, the, especially like this preseason, I, you know, I just set myself a goal of, of trying a few different things out. Um, you know, so it's like our laboratory, really. You know, the professional rugby setting from a physio point of view. You know, you can actually test players. You can see what's happening. You know, the stimulus you're giving and what's happening. You know, a month's time versus you know sometimes in the clinic you might get the opportunity to see a patient for a week's time. You know, I can I can do something with someone today and I can see what impact that's had tomorrow, the following day and the following day. So you can actually see the longevity of your treatment, or if it's just you know this kind of reflexive changes which give short-term results but long-term you know you probably haven't hit the nail ahead so you get to kind of experiment a lot you know if I go on a course I can try it the next day and you know I can you know give give some stuff um you know it's it's due course and actually try stuff on the players you know especially kind of healthy players you know I've got access to 30 odd subjects in Terry and I've got another 60 kids you know in the academy so there's access there to try you know try all sorts of stuff obviously you know it goes without saying you're not doing any harm to the players but you know, you can try new techniques that, that you've learned or that you've seen and, and give stuff a decent crack to, you know, formulate, you know, does it um does it stay part of your toolkit or, or you know, or, or do you throw it away kind of thing? Yeah, so that so anytime you come back from a course the players are fucking dreading it, are they? Oh Jesus, he's back with something new. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a bit of a joke to be fair. <laughs> Oh, he must have been on YouTube last night. That I get that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Look, so. I, I remember Mike Boyle saying that in the DVD years ago. He was like, you know, the players would be dreading when they come back, you know, to start of the season because they knew it would have like another a load of new stuff. Because I've been, you know, in the off season, I would have went to a lot of new seminars and all that. And he's like, I'm trying out these new things, and so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of funny that you know you're kind of saying the same thing as well. Yeah, uh, it's massive, and it, it's good, you know. And then that's what I mean in terms of the rugby lads. They they buy into it, you know. They're up for it, you know. Uh, I've got a few colleagues working in other sports where the athletes mightn't be as receptive to the stuff, but you know they're all good lads. You know they're all down to work. There's no egos about them, so they're good lads to work with. And that's probably one of the big advantages of working in rugby, really. You know that that they are good lads, and you you can try all this stuff with them, and you know they'll give it a, a genuine crack. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's to be honest. Outside of like, if I was to get into a professional sport on this side of the world like it rubies the sport that I always want to get into like I'd much prefer it over, over soccer like don't get me wrong I obviously am very involved in Gaelic games but just in terms of 
a strength and conditioning coach's role and even the money potential career you can make out of it just isn't the same as with rugby but uh if if yeah. if definitely i'd love to be involved rugby just the whole culture and and the kind of uh environment of rugby appeals to me as well it's kind of similar to my own sort of philosophy as a or not philosophy but sort of my own makeup as an athlete i would have been a very intrinsically driven person and you seem to get that a lot with the rugby lads yeah, especially in S and C, because you get you, you get all facets of it, you know. So you can you can dwell into the speed work, the the weight training, you know, the nutrition, the hydration, the recovery. You could actually, you know, you're you're fully utilised as an S and C coach in rugby, whereas you know in football you might there might not be as much of an emphasis in strength training in some clubs and, and stuff like that from you know some guys that I've spoke with. So it's a from a physio and an S and C point of view, you can really um kind of utilize all your skill sets really yeah yeah big time so this is a pretty loaded question i i ask everyone on the podcast this question and, and it often you know it pertains more so to their expertise so this is obviously going to pertain to your expertise in in rehabilitation and, and strength and conditioning but in your opinion what are the biggest problems you see with rehabilitation and strength and conditioning um in terms of um just generic is it or just within the within the profession, you know, okay. uh, you know, as a, as a of the field, as a, I say, industry. And I remember I interviewed Vern Gabetta one day, and he was like, "This isn't an industry. We don't wear hard hats. It's a profession." So I always say, "What's the biggest problem to see in the profession ever since that?" Yeah, but in terms of the rehabilitation and strength and condition, now you can attack them both uh, in isolation, and then maybe attack it at, at at how they fail to integrate as well. Maybe so, whatever way you want to go at, at that question. Yeah, like I, I've been guilty of this, especially you know probably even up to a few years ago. That kind of given the the one size fits all approach. So we kind of go through fa- not fads but phases of you know I remember big thoracic mobility is massive, glute work you know, and it's just it's the same stuff, and and that that's why I've, I've stopped going on forums for being honest it's just annoying you know boring and to be fair I was one of them saying it a few years ago mm-hmm. that you, you know we need to do this this and this and it's just like give me a break and th- that's one of the things I've tried to be a lot better at and, and certainly that's one of the things that the, one of the key teaching points in the pro sport academy now is every single athlete is different and you know the previous injuries is absolutely massive so how their body's compensating as a result of where they're at now in this present day is a result of their previous injuries their experiences their even their emotions you know and and like the limbic system's massive as well now, you know and I'm, I'm by no means an expert at that now but certainly it's something I'm, get, I'm beginning to realize the importance of now and you know every single athlete is different and needs to be rehab different and you know, the glute, I'll, I'll train the glute muscle or whatever part of the glute, you know, if it's your anterior glute meat, I'm going to train that a lot different to um, a posterior glute meat muscle in terms of um, whether your hip is compressing or decompressing. And a lot of that's got, you know, got to do, I suppose, with gait and, and you know, just stuff like that. And I'm just trying to be a bit more specific into does the act actual athlete need it you know do they need a glute meat to, to fire do they need, is it their glute max is the problem or is it something like um, a peck up the chain that's driving the problem and kind of finding the main driver of the problem no I'm a lot more interested in that and, and giving the athlete the appropriate stimulus rather than throwing six maybe glute exercises three sets of 12 reps and I've really tried to I'm, I'm doing a lot less if I'm being honest um, mm. 
some people would say I'm late, I'm getting lazier, but I'm just trying to be a lot smarter with the stimulus I'm giving the athletes nowadays versus, you know, throwing a load of exercises at them. Okay, you know, he's he's got back pain, let's give him a load of glute exercises versus actually, you know, is it the glute max on the left, the right? Is it the glute me that's that's causing, you know, your QL to be hypertonic? What what's going on there? I'm just trying to be real specific, um, and challenging their base of support you know we, i done a real good course anatomy and motion um a few years ago and you know i'm using a lot of their stuff now as well um you know it's very very like well they probably wouldn't agree but it's very similar to gary gray's kind of work as well um and just stuff like that and i think it all goes back to the the foundation of knowing your anatomy is is key really and i i kind of keep it simple now that you know for me a joint you know, when a joint moves, their structure is lengthening on one side, more or less, and their structure shortening on another side, and it's like a seesaw, basically, and what's controlling how quickly one side's lengthening, how quickly one side's shortening is your nervous system, and, you know, I, I just keep it like that, and, and that kind of, when you look at it from that point of view, I think it, it kind of stops you getting sucked into this trap of giving a load of exercises for the one problem, you know, so you can actually see, well, what tissues aren't lengthening properly, and on the other side, more control by what tissues aren't shortening properly to control the joint, and that's kind of how I prescribe my rehab exercises nowadays, so it's very, very specific to the athlete, you know, and I might give them, you know, and that one exercise might be enough, you know, that might replace maybe, you know, giving and prescribing eight to ten exercises or six exercises of you know, different variations of the glute exercise, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's probably one of the things that I try to get a lot better of, and, you know, I'm teaching my, my physios now at the moment, and, and as I said, that, that we're really going to get across in the mentorship is is that there's a reason for everything, have a reason for doing everything, whether it's your hands-on work, whether it's your rehab, you know, why are you trying to work the glute med there, you know, what's happening at the little toe to help the glute med, you know, and, and just being real real good with what you're doing and the quality of coaching as well I think something that um, that that's not up to scratch with a lot of, lot of exercises you know and, and especially in, in, our, in our world in, in rugby you know they're, they're absolutely horrible how they move rugby players and you know just spending your time coaching one exercise very very well can replace you know doing six exercises average you know and, and I think you can make a lot more changes if you kind of step back and actually concentrate on, on getting real real good a coaching one or two exercises versus you know being average at, at coaching kind of or knowing you know a library of exercises and it, and it's that library which you know I think we sometimes we get sucked into or oh, do this this and this whereas actually everybody's different everybody's nervous system is different and in, in how we're responding you know so um, that's probably one of the things that annoys me most now really or not annoys me but I've tried everyone, you know, all my my kind of my physios working in the clinic as well as trying to get them out of that bad habit. Yeah. You know, and I think I think it's a habit more than anything. And, and as I said, I was guilty of it, um, just as much as the next person. But that's something I'm trying to, you know, and, and I still go into it at times. You know, if I'm tired on a day or feel a little bit lazy, you know, I'll, you know, it's, it goes back to the assess, don't guess kind of thing. You know, where you, you know you, you'll easily throw an exercise at someone where it's actually need to be certain that that's exactly what their nervous system needs at that exact time. You know, and and there's a time and a place for every exercise, and you just need to make sure that that they're getting it at the right time as well. It's kind of like that uh, that saying, and I'm only paraphrasing now, but is is you know in, in the beginners' minds there is many options, and in the masters there's few. Like so, 
you yeah. know, essentially the more you kind of grow and develop, you know, as a practitioner or as a coach or, you know, probably this probably transfers over to any field, even as a doctor or et cetera, you, you know, you realize that just less is more like I'm, I'm the same now, like with even with how I'm programming, you know, uh, like say just strength programs, like you, you, you know, when you started first, you had like all these tri-sets and quad sets and was fucking, you know, these elaborate warm ups and plyos and, and you're just like, just peeling the back all the time to the basics, you know. I think it was Dan John always had that question about like if you were in prison and you could only work out three times a week for fifteen minutes, what would you do? And it's kind of like you know they're good questions to ask. Like, what's the biggest bang for buck? And it's the same even in rehab because uh, I don't do a whole lot of rehab anymore. But like when when I was uh, similar to yourself, like I just basically got down to like, can you do this breathing exercise in a half kneeling position? You know that was it, like. And yeah. I've seen so much more better results like Lazarus. Like, oh, my back pain is, you know, it's going, and all we were doing was breathing and then a bit of quadruped and maybe half kneeling or sometimes some rolling patterns, and that would be it. Like, but, yeah, uh, and what works well for you might work well for me because I might be able to coach it as well. And exactly, you know, just just get good at, at what works for you and, and get really good at, at, at those exercises. As you said, you, you don't need a massive amount, you just need to get really, really good at coaching your exercise. And if somebody can't do it properly, having the ability to spot that as massive you know and actually figure out what they're doing instead yeah you know with with your exercise that you're using and you know and you really do need to know your exercises inside out you need to know what's what's happening when they're not getting it or they're not feeling it or they're not getting the, the result that you want yeah i mean yeah. there's so many moving parts to the piece as well uh, like there's there's the person's learning style like obviously you said there's their nervous system there's their limbic brain there's their learning style there's their motivation there's their whole personality like that so many variables go into like what why rehab works for some individual or some organism and it doesn't for another like and you know it's it's as you said it's it's just like it's so much deeper than a glute exercise for three sets of ten which me me and you and a lot of listeners are like that's just bullshit like anyway but yeah with, with the anatomy in motion that was gary ward's course is it am i right yeah yeah i've seen bits of that it, it, it looks very gary grayish i actually thought he was a gary gray disciple he's not is he no I think it's a touchy subject. We the, like I would have studied Gary Gray stuff before I, I would have done that course yeah, and to be yeah. fair, um they are completely different courses but um like Gary Ward stuff's unbelievable the, the, the in depth knowledge of gait. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the way they break down gait is, is unbelievable. Um whereas I think the Gary Gray stuff's very much um it's kind of it's not gate, it's just for everything, you know, so it's it's more the the like the eccentric model as I call it, um, in terms of my own systems, but it's you know, or the subconscious um kind of movements and stuff like that. But it's um it's very good. It, there's a again it for me anyway personally it, there's a time and a place for it. Um I use it at a very specific time in my rehab. Um, you know when the player's ready for it, and, and it works really, really well with some players, and and for other players, you know, you know, we might need to change, um, change it or go back a peg or two, really. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I definitely recommend this. Very, very good. You you know you're you're a uh, you're an individual who's taken so many you know so many courses. You've done SFMA, you've done PRI, you just said anatomy, motion, so and you've done you've done DNS as well. No, I haven't um, done DNS. No, you haven't done DNS. Well, I mean, like he, I'm pretty sure you. Yeah, I've done a lot of reading. The concepts and yeah, if you have done PRI, there, there's there is a bit of carryover, definitely. You know, in terms of the diaphragm. So the PRI, to be honest, from from I've been exposed to both. They're actually a little more in depth, from what I think. But 
in terms of your overall system, how have you how have you taken everything you've learned, and, and what is your like for me still? I would still have the SFMA as my sort of baseline system with a bit of the PRI neutrality stuff. Like, what is your is that? Is, do you still kind of gear towards that, or how have you have you kind of developed your own little system as your standard yeah. your standard operating system? And if you have, do you want to get into that? Yeah, like so, I, I kind of alluded to it there. Like, um, obviously, you need to know everything has a reaction on everything else in the body so but i can approach it as you know a movement is happening as i said you know around the joints there's going to be muscles nerves ligaments lengthening on one side of the joint and it's going to be um muscles nerves ligaments capsules lengthening on the opposite side of the joint so you always have one side shortening one side lengthening in three planes of motion and what controls that as i said is that nervous system so that's kind of that's my system now so and the, the good thing about that is that ties you that, that doesn't tie you down to, to certain movements yeah. so you know whether I'm asking you to, to reach for something or to, to look over your shoulder you know it doesn't matter what joint it is or what movement it is once we understand that concept that something's shortening something's lengthening and your nervous system's controlling how quickly and um, that that joint or a movement patterns happening then you know in theory we should be able to work out the issues so based on that then the lengthening side of it that's kind of more I'll approach that a lot of that with a hands-on approach so getting lengthened tissues that I think are influencing the joint or not lengthening enough or on the other side of the coin you know are the, is it the muscle function that's not shortening to you know control the um, the glide and the, the role of the joint mm-hmm. um and I'll use um, I'll use a lot of muscle testing now nowadays. Um, you know, which it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it works for me. Um, and you know, I've tested it now solidly for you know probably going on three years. And I know for a fact some of the stuff I've been able to fix, I wouldn't have been able to fix now unless I was doing muscle testing. Is that um, the is that NKT or did you learn it somewhere else? Uh, yeah, I've done NKT. I've done all three levels of that. I've, to be honest, I've gone away a little bit from NKT now. I've mm. done. Um, I still use a bit of it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but applied like NKT is kind of a spin-off from applied kinesiology. Yeah, you know, and yeah. you always need to go back to the root mm. of, of where stuff came from. And you know, applied kinesiology is. Um, you know, if you look at the literature and stuff, there'll be a lot of people. Um, kind of turn their noses up at it and stuff but there's definitely something in it and I think I use it for what I need to get out of it you know I, I need to get somewhere from A to B with a client or a patient and I'll use that as part of a, an overall system you know so it's not my only system but it's a little bit of it and you know I, I think it just gives you an insight you know it's probably the best way that I know it, how to get an insight into the nervous system you know what's happening and you know, we, we can argue, oh, is it really testing your glute max there? Who cares? It's testing hip extension. You know, it's you know, you're asking the, the body to do something, is it reacting? You know, can it meet your pressure? And you know, and, and that's a big thing in proprioception is your ability to match force and regulate force and, and whatever, you know, they're all variables of um of proprioception. So, you know, I, I don't I don't get you know, I'll give it a chance, and I said I'll I'll try anything, um, and and that's something that that stood the test of time for me with my system at the moment. It's a, it's a small bit of my system, but it's a very important part part of my of my system, especially for the the um that side of the coin where the muscles shortening if they're not firing properly, 
or they're not um, doing their job, then sometimes you know it could be an issue there. Yeah. Um, that that we might check. And as I said, it, it's it's by no means um, all my system, but but it's a, it's an important part of it. In in terms of like, I don't want to harp on it all day. But just finishing up, like with regards to system philosophy, like I know you've you've definitely touched on right the idea of the nervous system controlling the joints, shortening, lengthening. But do you have a stand? What I, I suppose what I'm asking, do you have a standard system? Like it, like it, do you like is there a standard system for that everyone goes through, or is it purely you're always individualizing even your assessments of the person? Like yeah, it, it it has to be because everyone gets different problems. Um, no, but saying that, I think I think I know what you're talking about. Like. I'll use I'll use the the SFMA tests quite a bit, so mm, yeah, yeah. you know that'll give me a lot of information. But again, I don't really break them out. Yeah, yeah, I know. Just look at um, what's lengthening, what's shortening, what's not happening, um, and then then I might break them out that way if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, saying, yeah. I'll use the PRI test, so I'll use the adduction drop test with nearly everybody. I'll use the HGIR, but again. I'm using those movements to check my work almost, you know, um, kind of the big thing that dictates where I go is, is the individual stuff. So what are they struggling with? And then, you know, when they do that action or that movement, I'll figure out what's shorting, what's lengthening, you know, and, and, and what's stopping that from, from doing it properly, yeah. you know, and, and as I said, it, there can be, um, can be a number of things really. Yeah. So if, if that kind of answers your question, no, it does. No, it does. Like and again, like, yeah. No, it does. I, that's kind of what I was getting at. I still, I, I was. That's what I felt you were gonna say was you. You were still kind of using a global sort of like assessment, like yeah. SFMA and PRI. But then you were kind of putting together these pieces of other areas that you, you know, that that you feel will individualize it even more. Like so. No, yeah, and I'm probably using the gate stuff quite a bit as well. I always watch. Like I'm paying a lot more attention to how people are walking and. Mm. Um, and then, as I said, I, I look at the movement and then put them on the bed to kind of confirm what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, and sometimes I'm wrong um, when I when I do get them on the bed and stuff. And I think I think there's a big um, passive joint assessment. I think is still massive. Mm. Um, you know, passive range of movement. I think is underrated in terms of you know you can get a massive amount of information into what tissues are lengthening properly. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, yeah. and if you can't do it passively, you're not going to be able to do it actively. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, I think that can kind of you know cut to the chase pretty quickly and, and give you a good kind of direction in your hands-on work as well. Well, like it, it tells you straight away. Not maybe not straight away, but it, it gives you a very strong indication, as you just said there. Like you didn't say this exactly, but like if you know if moving a joint passively, it'll tell you whether it's more of a mobility or a, a motor control issue. Because if you if you can move it passively and they can't move it actively, you're like, man, this is motor control, or maybe it seems to be more motor control. Whereas if you said there, if you can't move it passively, they ain't gonna move actively. So there's definitely some sort of structural issue there, like whether it's tissue or joint, and that's where further assessments, I suppose, will go on from there. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, I, to be fair, I think the. Since I've started doing all that muscle testing stuff, it's probably, I think it's almost always a mobility and stability issue. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's, it's one or the other, if that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of the, um, like some of the stuff where we look at now, um, like scar tissue and stuff like that, like the effect that that has on um, on the mechanoreceptors is, is, is massive, you know, and, and once you release um, something in terms of, um, you know, an adhesion or whatever, I think, you know, instantly then you can get the stability back quite quickly. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I probably look at them as almost being one now, if that makes sense. Well, I remember hearing Bill Hartman saying he was talking about ART, like, yeah. and 
he was saying like uh, you know people view ART more so as a quote unquote like mobility sort of correction because it's you know it's kind of correcting tissue extensibility like they weren't his exact words now I'm paraphrasing but he was kind of alluding to that there still has to be some neurological reset to that too because you're obviously inputting something into the nervous system so obviously you're not only addressing the quote unquote mobility there's obviously going to be some sort of motor control aspect too because anytime you're putting your hands in a body the nervous system's responding anyway like absolutely and to be honest like I don't I see PRI as an inhibitory technique yeah I, I think we're switching muscles off more than we're switching muscles on yeah so, yeah yeah um, and it's the same with the muscle test there the, you know being able to spot hypertonic muscles is absolutely massive yeah, um, yeah. you know and, and that muscle testing is an opportunity to do that really um, and you know from a traditional applied kinesiology point of view and and correcting them like you know we talk about the anatomy of motion like I had somebody who's a hypertonic performance they're not going to be able to shift into their left hip you know and, and you can you can relate that to PRI so yeah. you know being able to find that stuff and again it, it, it's all just different tools really and, and just try to put it together but it is sometimes it's it's getting muscles to shut off rather than activate is, is more important yeah for yeah. for the majority especially capsules as well you know well, we're after spending quite a bit talking about nearly more so techniques you know again we talked about you know a lot of uh, the anatomy motion stuff uh, and we talked about sort of joints and the muscle testing when it comes then maybe more so to like the rehab off the table stuff what's your thought process there like you know like so again just and uh, this is just my like where my mind is at you know i suppose i'm more influenced by the sfma and the functional systems and again i'll put that out there listen i'm not dogmatic about any system if you know if, if i go to a course and i think something's better i'll in- instantly integrate like you have clearly done like over the years but like you know their sort of model of you know mobility stability static stability dynamic stability and then sort of repatterning like when you get that person off the table and you feel that they're moving better and now it's whatever it's an ankle or it's an acl or what's your what's your process then like again obviously i know you're going to say it's going to be a bit individual because everyone's nervous system's individual but do you have a template or a blueprint yeah that you're working around? um so i've kind of come up with um like my with with the pb run free um that's mm-hmm. like what a running website basically for runners to treat so many runners in uh in huddersfield but um that's kind of my performance pyramid and like basically that pyramid is your ground floor is your diaphragm and airway position yeah so kind of once that's good and that, that's a little bit of pri um kind of getting everything in position and the rib cage you know getting that to, to be able to drop and exhale correctly get the diaphragm to be able to lengthen once i can get all that done then i'll do what i call the, the electricity the key muscles that's my next stage and that's more probably the muscle testing and can can your nervous system react to what you want yeah. um, because I don't see the point on, in trying to stimulate a muscle or strengthen a muscle if it, if it can't react to you, to you when you want it to um, so I'll clean up that first and then I'll go into what I call the, the conscious gait um, pattern so working muscles as they have to work in gait because I think your brain kind of gets it because it's used to it so I'll, I'll always try work muscles as, as the related gait from that point of view um, concentrically so consciously thinking about activating muscles or chains of muscles similar to PRI but you know I've, I've modified it massively to integrate a lot of the stuff I've learned from other courses so mm. it wouldn't be traditional PRI exercises no I would have changed quite a bit of 
you know, using similar exercises but tweaking them quite a bit to, to kind of integrate all the other courses that I've done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I get up to what's called subconscious gait. So I might say, you know, say there was a glute med issue there. I might I might work that um, concentrically, and then I'll put them straight up into standing and work it eccentrically. So you know, they have to decelerate the glute med in standing then, as it has to happen when your foot hits the floor. So I kind of work through that four-step process. Of getting the rib cage, getting the hips centrated, you know, if, if you want to kind of go down that DNS kind of route, yeah. get all your joints centrated, make sure that they're responding to your stimulus, then put them up concentrically and then get them eccentrically. So essentially, you're hitting every every bit of the the puzzle really. So you're making the muscle work through through its full range. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, and that that's pretty much that's pretty much it now, really, to be honest. Um, and again, it. That, that would then just go specifically to, you know, if it's a muscle or a chain of muscles or if it's a, if it's a specific part of gait that I think that they're not working well in, then I'll break it down through through that four-step system, really. And that that's probably the, the, the way I do it for the majority, anyway, unless, you know, there, there was something specific to a, a particular joint with a known pathology, then, you know, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. The, something I always wanted to uh, talk to you about, and... Um Hopefully, hopefully we can get a link maybe for for the listeners because it's it's actually a video. You sent in that great video to Joe Hyler with your ACL rehab for one of the the Leeds Rhino players. Oh yeah, yeah. That was uh, it was amazing. Like just to watch it. Like, could you maybe touch on? And I, I know obviously it's a while ago, and you, you there's probably things in that you probably like. I wouldn't do that anymore, maybe or. But obviously, it was just the the whole thing was very intriguing, and the fact that you got him back within like seven months, and it was a very bad injury, wasn't it that he got? Yeah, he, he he's done really well, Danny. Um, he had um, he won't he won't tell it. He had a bad posterior lateral corner injury. And he ruptured his IT band, his semi um, um, membranosis pulled off, or not not membranosis, biceps femoris. Sorry, pulled off the the bone. Wow. So he ruptured both of them ACL posterior lateral corner. So it's quite a traumatic injury. Um, but he, again, it goes back to what we were saying. The start, Danny was really receptive, great to work with, motivated. So. You know, it was it was a dream to work with him, and um, it it was good. To be fair, I when I look back at that video, um, I probably I probably do a lot of what I do now, and I think why I put success doing the stuff, I probably understand it a lot more what what's actually happening, yeah. if that makes sense, and why he was successful with him. Um, I probably tweak a few things now, definitely, or or do things a little bit different, but. I think the you know the the exercises and the stimulus we were given were pretty solid and you know they they've stood the, the, the test of time a lot of Franz Bosch stuff there. Um, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, a lot of like well, the, there was a there was one drill you had where he'd have the bar in a back squat position and and he'd hinge and he had one foot kind of on the wall behind him and then the other foot's on the ground and then he'd hinge and then he'd snap up and drive the hip through on top of a box like it was just for a kind of terminal hip extension of the leg like it was really really good well I think that's what it was for but it, it was really yeah, yeah. I, I was like that's a Franz Bosch drill right there yeah like Franz Bosch now even nowadays I understand exactly what Franz Bosch is trying to do with all those drills yeah, as yeah. it relates to gait and how he's training the muscles yeah. I think a lot of that stuff's quite high level um, in terms of I probably have to bring it back quite a bit nowadays, oh, um, yeah, yeah. kind of lower level before they get to that level. I think I was a young, enthusiastic physio at the time, probably guilty of what I was saying. Well, ago, whereas I've seen all these exercises, I'm like, I'm using them. Whereas now, you know, I, I kind of can justify a little bit better why, where I'd use them in the system. But I mean, Danny, like Danny, he, when we returned to play, I tested him. 
he squatted his body weight. We didn't do any squatting with him during that whole rehab, and he squatted his body weight like 48 reps or something. Wow. We, we stopped him. You know, he, he absolutely smashed it. Um, when, when he came back, he was really, really strong. Um, in, with it, with, oh, it was about, I think maybe we stopped him at 30, sorry, I might have lied to you there. Um, but, you know, and, and his power testing and stuff was, was really, really impressive on that leg as well. Well, what was, uh, what was really interesting about the video was when it started off, you had him in a, a gymnastics um, a gymnastics hall and he was just on, you know, the softer surfaces and it was all just landing, landing. And I think I think in the in the video too, you were kind of like this player, you know, he did did this injury and you didn't say what leg it was. You were like, see if you can tell which, which leg it was. I remember watching it like two or three times like, I can't tell which goddamn leg this is. Because, you know, it, it was so good, like, the, the rehab, you know. Um, but where, where did you get that idea of to go into the gymnastics? Uh, you know, because it makes that, it, it does that, make a lot of sense. Um, a lot of that would have been Bill Knowles. Um, oh, yeah, um, yeah, I know Bill Knowles, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he would have done a lot of that stuff um, back in the day. I think he, he probably still does a lot of it now. Um, but I think, again, the understanding of why, why we're doing that stuff. And, like, he, he gives a really, really good talk, and it's all about the athlete. And, it's the confidence that you get from from that flooring. They feel great. They feel fast. Mm. You know, they feel like an athlete again. And that's like that's so underrated or underestimated the importance of that when an athlete's injured and they're stuck in a rut. Yeah. You know, and getting them out of the environment that they're in every single day. Like confidence is just absolutely so important when you're rehabbing an athlete. You know, and, and similarly, they need to trust you and believe in what you're doing with them. You know, I think I think that's the other massively under um, underrated aspect of of the athlete having confidence in you. So you know, you need to portray that you know what you're on about, and you know, you know, be real passionate and, and be confident in in the techniques you're doing. And if you don't understand an exercise inside out, I think you look vulnerable. You know, in that you're not confident coaching the exercises, and I, I think that's part and parcel with that stuff. But the the gymnastic stuff was. Um, you know, it just we've done all his stuff, all his hopping stuff, so he didn't feel any pain. Mm. You know, and, and for Natalie to be doing that high level stuff and not feel pain is massive. Yeah. So then when we went on to this stuff in harder ground, you know, his body was adapting, we were progressively loading him, and body, you know, his confidence was sky high, yeah. and you know, and it's massive. And when when athletes have confidence, you know, they, they'll go from here to you know the top floor in in, in two three days. The changes will be massive in rehab. And then the, yes. the the buy-in aspect then as well, I suppose you know, because they're seeing such improvements. And as you said, like you know, the, the the you're also decreasing that fear factor as well. You know, when people go back with a with an ACL, like there there's still that fear to do something on that leg. You're kind of getting rid of that so much quicker by by inter- integrating that type of process. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, if they, if they do mess up a rep, you know, you're you're not back two three days with swelling and stuff like that yeah, because yeah. the impacts massively you know down as well. So. But yeah, that, that stuff's really good. I mean, that, that's a brilliant facility in Meads there. We were lucky to have that. Mm, mm, um, I think mm. Andy, the, the currently Drynos physio, uses it still. But um, I mean, we, we, we use the gymnastics hall in Huddersfield at the moment. That was one of the first things I sourced when I came in was was a gymnastic floor, and especially arthritic knees with players. You know, it's real good to, to bring them up and, and do stuff there. I prefer that to an alter G. Um, I'll always try to use a gymnastic floor instead of an alter G if I can. Yeah, yeah. Just and just for, for the listeners, that's the you're talking about the, the, the gravity treadmill, is it? Yeah, so you can kind of obviously dictate how much body weight it's going through um, or how much, yeah, so you can take 10, 20% of their body weight off running on a treadmill. So obviously it's, it's straight ahead and you can do backward running as well if you wanted to, but 
I'd, uh, I'd, you know, it's a little bit less controlled, but the gymnastics run, I think, you know, for most athletes, if they're ready to run an Alter G, you know, they're probably ready to, to run on a on gymnastic floor. And, but, um, but no, it's really, really good stuff. And he, yeah, he, Bill Lawrence is a massive inspiration for that stuff at the, um, at the time. And again, just, I think all, all this stuff now, you know, Danny's video is brilliant. And I, I probably would do the majority of it again. And, you know, we rehabbed an ACL um, there um, in the off season. And, you know, probably done uh, similar stuff, but, I would have done a lot more body weight versions of that, so adding in a lot of um, kind of loading single leg with a thoracic rotation into driving through the other way, and just really challenging their body weight and base of support on single leg stuff. We've probably done a lot more of that kind of body weight than, than I would have done with the weights kind of back four years ago, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we've got the same result. The lad came back sharp, he's strong, still in the gym, you know, and a rehab conditioner, um, obviously got him strong in, in all the posterior chains so I probably just spent a lot more time neuromuscularly body weight kind of getting him to to a lot higher level than I probably did with Danny where I went straight to the kind of get him strong kind of routine if that makes sense yeah yeah in, in terms of a return to play protocols what do you have set up there in Huddersfield or, or in any other gig you've had do you have certain criteria that you, you're looking for like you know the way some like to be honest, like our return to play will be, you know, your FMS is pain free, symmetrical, and then that you're hitting every other performance test, so that your, you know, your jump profiles back where it's at, your strength markers are where they're at in terms of like your your one RMs and your yo yo test is back to at least where it was, and we have a baseline level for that before we, we let you compete. Would you have something similar along those lines agreed upon with the strength conditioning coaches? Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much that. To be fair, like obviously ideally you want full range back um, yeah, obviously yeah, yeah um, no it doesn't come back all is oh yeah I know I know sorry yeah. I, I know don't get me wrong it's, it's the same in GA as well as rugby like it's kind of like uh, we always like even when we're presenting on this stuff we're all like you know ideally you want people to be pain free and symmetrical but it's just like we've got a game someday and he has to play <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah obviously the pathologies as, as well is uh, is massive but yeah. um, the the, yeah, I mean, it's it's all it's common sense really. They need to be progressive in terms of, you know, they need to do their contact um, is massive as well, not just the the kind of jump scores. I mean, we, we, we monitor them anyway daily, so we kind of have an idea of where they're at. Yeah. And, and obviously, we're looking to have them pre and post injury, um, the single leg stuff, but they, they need to be able to take contact, they need to be able to sprint, change direction. Um, Objectively, I suppose, yeah, we, we do look at a lot of that stuff. We've got um, kind of the broad jumps, single leg broad jumps, vertical jumps we'd use. Um, ju- it just depends on the, the injury, really. Um, we, we do kind of, um, we try to integrate them back in to the coaches. So, like, I'm a big believer in the coaches need to, to do a lot of the contact work with them. Because mm-hmm. um, I think we, sometimes we can give them bad habits and... You know, I'll always say that you know if you're going back with the shoulders, you need to be the best tackler in the in the team, really. By the time you go back, you know, because you've just done so much repetitions, and I think the coaches are useful to have, you know, because they'll spot stuff that you are not looking at. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we're probably trying to train the same stuff and you know generating force and levers and stuff like that. But um, it it is quite useful. So by the time our boys go back, kind of off season or from a surgery, they they will have done a lot of that stuff. They'll obviously have trained for quite a few weeks. And you know their their confidence is and they're ready as well. I think it's important. That, you know, you you can tell 
if, a, if an athlete's ready or, or if they're a bit nervous. Um, in season, it just changes a bit, you know, week to week. It's literally patching them up, try to get their full range back as soon as possible. Um, and I try to get that before they run, really, if I can, um, or, you know, or, or certainly load the joint. Um, and yeah, and just make sure that they're, you know, that they're not a liability to the team, really, because there's nothing worse than putting a player back and he's breaking down ten minutes into the game. You look like an idiot, and yeah, yeah. obviously he's he's a bit pissed off, and, and the coaches aren't happy. So you just need to make sure that they that they can um, hack what they need to do. Just uh, something I was talking about recently there the last few days with with a few people is this idea of you know the the transfer of training. And like whenever you 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 you're talking with a transfer trainer, usually it revolves around like performance, you know, like the transfer of certain, um, you know, general and and spe- and specific physical preparation exercises to your sport. But there seems to be like little conversation about the transfer of rehab and the whatever. Where I'm going with this is, like, there's one player on the team I'm with at the moment, and he just keeps like hamstring. It just keeps going, like keeps going, keeps going, and like. You know the physios he goes see like they're all prescribing what they would see as like you know very up to date rehab. It's all single leg deadlifts and kettlebell swings and glute bridges and breathing drills and blah blah blah. But clearly there the transfer to when he goes back to running is not there. Yeah. Um. And at Joel Jameson's course there at the weekend, you know, like he he struck on a good point. He was like, you know, there's a motor control aspect to this. There's a uh, decision making aspect to this. There's a um. What's the other one I was gonna say? There's a there's a specific biochemical aspect, as in the the tissues need to be exposed to the energy system that they're gonna go through. There's a fatigue aspect that ties in with that. So like you know when you go from this sort of controlled environment of doing rehab here, it's still not gonna prepare you for out in the field when you're you know in your reptilian brain pumping out adrenaline. You know it's very different environment. Like the two environments just the the specificity is like very low between those two environments. So. In your thought process, how are you getting lads? I su- like I suppose it's rehab, and then it's just good training, and then the good training should should be specific enough to get people back into, back into the 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 game. Like obviously, but in terms of the more getting a better transfer of rehab to to return to play, like have you ever like thought about thought about those things in your own mind, and, and where do you think there might be a downfall? I know it's a very long winded sort of. Yeah. Um. No. No. Like uh, it go. It kind of goes back to to gait you know in terms of yeah. if you get that muscle working with the other muscles as part of a chain of muscles and that needs to do its own job and is doing its own job then I think a lot of um, a lot of those issues take care of themselves and that's kind of why I try to bulletproof it if you want to use that word it's not a great word but um, in terms of make the muscle work with other muscles um, concentrically and eccentrically and you know when you're when you're working a muscle eccentrically you're challenging the base of support so you know and, and most injuries are going to happen when the the tissue load um, exceeds its capacity yeah, so yeah. you know if you, if you can do that in the rehab I think it transfers through and like a lot of that stuff with the greatest respect if it, like we're, we're missing something still you know I, like if you if you get that nervous system primed and you hit what's really causing the issue or we think is really causing the issue the athlete will go from hair to hair real quick yeah. you know they, they literally you, you, you hear all these stories they hobble in and you know they're jumping out you know they're jumping over boxes 10 minutes later and that, that's just you know you, you've probably got the the sweet spot there of what's really driving the problem um, like I think the motor control and stuff like like scars are absolutely 
massive, you know, like surgical scars. I think it's one of the most underrated um, causes of issues in terms of what it does to the motor control system. Um, we do absolutely loads on scars, and like all oh, my rugby players, a massive amount of scars on their body and, and surgeries that they've had, and it just causes havoc. And when they get cuts and stuff like that, you know, it's it's not uncommon to, to see issues. And you know that Johnny Sexton was interested, like he got concussed and he and then he, he's come pulled pulled out with a hammy injury a few weeks later. And yeah, 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 yeah. You know, right. you, you can clinically reason all this stuff and. You literally do unfortunately have to check from head to toe with them, and you know it goes back to all the anatomy trains, lines, and stuff like that, where you can kind of clinically reason why possibly his hammy went after being concussed with suboccipitals. Yeah, yeah. But you, even you know, even the trauma to the brain, the CNS, you know, there's stuff going on there too. Like, but uh, just when you were saying just about gate, Dave, like, are, are you like when you say gate, are you using gate as an all-encompassing gate, is in not just walking but jogging and sprinting, like? Yeah. So like like the muscles basically how do I put this gait's basically like your muscles if you look at all the research as well like in, and your Mount Gibbons done a bit and Comfort's done a little bit on the psoas like all the stuff they're finding in, in individual muscles is all relates to gait how the muscles work when we walk so and run basically so I always look at it like when your foot hits the floor obviously there's that that um, reaction that um, chain reaction that Gary Gray talks about but also, like, the parts of muscles have to work in relation to what's happening at the joint, you know, and, and we need to give the brain that stimulus. And, like, you talk about your hamstring, like, when the foot hits the floor, the distal hamstring shortening, the proximal hamstring's lengthening. Does that make sense? Or, sorry, when you're just prior to that, so on heel strike, you can look at it the opposite way, the, the proximal hamstring shortening, the distal um, end is lengthening. Yeah, and then yeah. as the foot fully loads, the opposite happens. So your pelvis goes into anterior tilt, while your knee flexes. So there's that sliding of the of the muscles. Yeah, so yeah. Does, does that make sense? So they, they kind of flip around, basically proximal and distal. Yeah, yeah. Well, it does it. But what I was going to say there with, with biotecular muscle like your hamstring and your rectus femoris, they they don't really shorten, though, do they? Well, they will. Yeah, fascially through all the fascia. So oh, like fascia, the yeah, through yeah. ligament, that's absolutely massive. You know what I mean? So there could be issues in that. Like that's one of the most important muscles, or sorry, ligaments in the body. Oh yeah, so, I know, I know that. Well, I, just, I know with Bosch's work in running, like he, he was saying that with the biotecular muscles, the fact that they're biotecular, they're attached to two joints. That the muscle, like he was saying, there's very little actually shortening, lengthening, or shortening going on with the. With but basically, the, like I, I, I interpret his work as he's on about he calls it taking up the slack. Doesn't yeah, he? yeah, because he's so, he's against doing like uh, sorry, I keep cutting across you. He he's against doing like um, glue ham raises for the hamstring because he's like. The, the hamstring is biotecular and he's like you're just doing concentric eccentric where he's like when your hamstring contacts the ground it's this isometric ability to withstand that force like and disperse that that force into like your serial and parallel elastic components and and out into your tendons and all and you don't want to actually have that force going into your going into your muscle tissue because that's when you're going to rip a hamstring and he's like again it goes back to environment he's like your hamstring doesn't concentrically eccentrically contract like that when it hits the ground like it's isometric so he he's more of a component doing this isometric thing he thinks doing the concentric eccentric promotes this idea of slack as you said like so yeah, well, so I, I, I kind of look at it like obviously when your knee's bending something has to shorten doesn't it yeah yeah well he's talking about when your foot is actually in contact with the ground that it, that's isometric at that very moment like 
where he so he's saying that people are like oh like it's gonna bulletproof your hamstring these glue ham raises he's like when your foot hits the ground that, that glue ham raise will do nothing yeah there, there's a big timing thing as well there so when that foot hits the floor obviously the muscles have to react don't they so that again we go back to the central nervous system yeah, so yeah what what's the, what's causing that timing is a scar tissue somewhere you know can can that knee actually straighten to to take up the slack yeah 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 well like obviously when when you're going into the when when your free leg is up in flexion like obviously your knee is short you know like their hamstring is is shortening in that aspect as in the flight leg like but um i'm just again i'm just a messenger here i'm just uh, i'm not i'm just oh like, i actually agree with him i just yeah. i probably i got i see that as as an eccentric loading so eccentric loading is essentially taking up the slack if that makes sense yeah 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 i know what you're saying so yeah. but it, it might necessarily be, be the muscle fibers it's, it's more likely being the fascia yeah you know what i mean so that that fascial system i actually i agree completely what what he's saying there yeah because i've seen threads on strength coach too where people are asking about like you know the butt wink and the squat and like a few people are like oh it's tight hamstrings and like other people who are saying it can't because your hamstrings by articular so your hamstring actually doesn't change length from the top to that bottom yeah. position yeah well, that that's all the Dr. Magnus that for the majority of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like, yeah, you hear loves it. Why, why do you think it's a Dr. Magnus? That's interesting, actually. Just where it inserts and attaches. So, obviously, it's going right up. So, that's going to limit, um, that's going to have to lengthen fully in hip flexion. Yeah, it is, because it, it doesn't cross the knee joint, like, yeah. So, I I have a blog post coming out on that, actually. We, we recorded one um, a few weeks ago. So, that, that'll be out on that post for the camera. And have you, have you done shit where you've released that Dr. Magnus and that went away, like? Oh, all the time, yeah, hundred percent. Deadly, deadly. I didn't actually never heard about that. That's that's. I learned something new there. Now, listeners, class information. Well, just to test it on your back. You know, you know, you, you put someone in um, on their back, bring their knee to their chest. The the tie should hit the rib cage, yeah. and you know, a lot of people will say my hamstring feels tight. Whereas actually, it's just palpation. It's a Dr. Magnus there. I get that loads where people are like, ah, oh, it's me hand. Well, what I get is people come in and they, they, they like get their hand and they put it like right up into the inside of their ischial tuberosity. Yeah, and, and exactly. they're like, and they're, they're palpating the Dr. Magnus Yeah, there. yeah, they're always like, it's right in there. Like, it's me hammy, but it could be my grind, but I think it's my hamstring. I'm like, it's a Dr. Magnus. But um, that, like, that, we've done another one as well on like, if you and again, that goes to the palpation and knowing your anatomy and. Like the vastus lateralis is takes up half of the posterior tie almost. Yeah, people always think it's on the front lateral side. It's like no, that thing goes all the way back around. Yeah, and that's massive for sprinting. Like when when your knee flexes, obviously there's that massive sliding component. Yeah. So the hamstring has to shorten as the the VL's lengthening and vice versa as the knee starts to straighten. You know, we want to if you want to go back to the the Bosch stuff and and taking up the slack there. So. The, the muscles and the fascia you know there's a massive amount of sliding emotion has to happen there yeah yeah sliding and gliding yeah yeah and have you have you done much stuff like fascial wise have you done any many courses with that and uh, i've done active release technique yeah. um a few years ago now uh about 2008 i think uh, i've done upper and lower limb brilliant stuff that's really good yeah um, everyone i speak to says it's it's brilliant it's very expensive though isn't it yeah it is um but it's you know like you're you're getting a, like the palpation and stuff like that's massive and you know nice. you're learning you know and beginning to feel kind of the tissue sliding glides pretty much invaluable it's good I, I've probably changed and modified quite a bit from the traditional protocols now just for what works for me um, but the I mean the they used to always give out to me for going to 
too heavy handed um, <laughs> but you kind of you need to with some of the players but I think like with, with the ART it, it's all about the tension versus I think a lot of people will do too much compression um, like they'll compress tissues versus actually tension the tissues yeah. Um, you know and, and people are saying they're doing ART when actually they're just compressing or pinning and and stretching tissues, you know, pin and stretches and ART. Yeah, and to be honest, I I I do pin and stretch, but I don't call it ART. Like I'm like this, I'm like it's so, kind of like, but I know it's not like because I have the, the ART DVDs, and like I'm like that's not what I do. Like so, because they 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 look way more like their model just looks way more in depth than <laughs> what I was originally taught. And my my I just did like a new muscular therapy course. Like we were just showing pin it with soft tissue release. We were told, but it's not ART. Yeah. Like. So like when I always shot him like this is not ART this is just like a pin and stretch ART seems to be a far more in depth model from what I've from what I've seen like yeah I think I think the ART they they kind of differentiate on their technique itself I think that I think they're they're pretty I mean I I I need to recertify to be fair so I I probably can't even call myself an ART provider at the moment yeah um, yeah but again it I've probably changed a lot I just use what I need to use and you know get them to be fair I think when you do all the muscle testing as well and stuff you, you stimulate the nervous system you, you tend to see kind of releases quite quickly yeah and um, that you might need to do as much soft tissue work as we probably needed to in the past it, it really just all comes back to like the brain and the nervous system i had a uh, quinn hennock who, who's a, a physical therapist in america and we we were speaking on the podcast about that and the question i asked him because this is something i've been seeing with just a few people i rehab is that uh you know this idea of people being a little more sympathetic versus parasympathetic like so i always notice like you know that my sympathetic types they just don't respond well to aggressive therapy so like art or even like some heavy dry needle and they just don't like that where they seem to respond better to like breathing drills or like a muscle energy technique or something like that whereas the parasympathetic lads they're definitely more like you know they respond better to art they respond better to like heavy soft tissue work you know so have you kind of seen anything similar similar to that with some some of your rehab clients yeah it's just it, like you you kind of alluded to it it's just that there's a time and a place for both really yeah um, but like i mean essentially we're trying to get them um get them out of that really i mean if someone's coming in and you know they're olympic then there's no point doing the art and stuff like that yeah they're just going yeah. so sensitive anyway um the, the reason i say that is because i often get these girls that come to me or, or young females and they're all like oh like uh, I, they, they, I heard you do some needling would that be good for my whatever like my calf my shoulder and I can tell by them that they've got anxiety they, they're hyper inflated with the, as PRI would say you know they're you know they just have and I'm just like in my head I'm like if I stick a needle on you like it's just gonna drive you into serious fight flight mode so I'm just always like eh, we can try some different things first yeah I think I think like that's a good point I think a lot I've, I've done stuff in the past to get the buy-in like I've, I've got a lady ah same me uh, like that's why I said it yeah the, like she I, I might have released something for her like with an ART move and she comes back to me and she thinks she needs that ART move every single session no matter what's wrong with her yeah you know that kind of you, you do what you need to do and then at the end you'll do that you know very very lightly just to, to get the buy-in you know and I think like the belief system is absolutely massive as well 
and you know them leaving that room thinking or knowing that they're getting better is absolutely massive it's very similar to though like you know personal training where or small group training where like you know that the individual or group individual have moved like shit so for the first few sessions you're just trying to like do base you know trying to lay down some basic fundamental movements and they're kind of thinking oh but i thought i'd be dying and then at the end you just like give them a bit of you know condition like pushing the prowler and some ropes where you know they're not going to hurt themselves but they do get a bit of a sweat on and if you know and they think that oh yeah yeah i did something good there like you know yeah yeah, yeah so. exactly like yeah we're, like we're dealing with the brain at the end of the day aren't we and yeah. there are some pretty uh, pretty strange people out there unfortunately two of us have fallen into that category I'd say Dave you know absolutely um, <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap up here just uh, touch into your pro academy that's recently been released so I was only on Facebook there like last week during the week and I seen this this you know the pro academy and I clicked in it and I was like god damn it if I just had money I'd sign up for this but because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a broke student going back but it, it looks extremely impressive and what I really liked about it too was like you're like we're only taking 25 people a year max so I like the way you're kind of capping it and so the quality's kept high so just tell people what's the Pro Academy why have you started it uh, what's it involved and uh, any other details you want to say about it yeah so that's kind of um, like every year I take on a, an intern uh, with the clinic so they'll kind of work we pay them maybe 10 grand a year and like obviously in return for taking a, you know um, a pay cut from a traditional salary, we'll we'll give them an intense year-long internship. Um, in terms of the um, the amount of education they're getting, so we're kind of like, well, let's make this available to everyone. Really, um, I mean, obviously, if you're if you're not taking that much of a pay cut, and you're still getting to learn all the stuff. Then obviously, like we're, we're, that's how we're kind of justifying the cost of it. But I think the um, the big thing is, I think there's a need for it, if I'm being honest. I think the stuff you get taught with the greatest respect to university lecturers, their their hands are tied. You know, they have to teach X, Y, and Z. And, you know, especially in sport now and for physios and, and soft tissue therapists, we need to be probably, you know, there's so much stuff coming out now and, you know, the stuff we've been exposed to that, you know, I think there's a, a better way of doing things than the traditional physio way, especially. Um, so just kind of teaching our systems really in, in, um, in the, mainly based on the results um, off the back of the results that we, we've gotten and the techniques and methods that have stood the test of time with us so you know we, we treat in a certain way now which we've kind of spoke about today so we're just going to train 25 you know therapists whether it's soft tissue therapists chiros, osteos or, or physios or physical therapists um, for the year really we're going to kind of do They'll have two online lectures a month, um, and then every week they'll basically get a new treatment technique video, so like that of Dr. Magnus and stuff like that. We'll actually show you, you know, how we release it, and you know, and the big, big kind of um, thing about this is the practical nature of it. It's not a master's; it's more this stuff is is what you can use every single day, and I think that's massively important. That you know, you literally when someone comes in the door now, you know. We're, hopefully you're going to have that thought process of what's lengthening, what's shortening and have ways to, to make the change, you know, so that, it, you know, in 12 months time, you know, you're, you're quite a bit on in terms of, you know, confident in, in making changes with, with most people. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Me personally, uh, like th this is just me personally. I absolutely love online courses. Like people are like, I prefer an online course than going to one because I learn better by looking at something over and over again whereas if you're at a live course you only see it once and you're like yeah that, that's a great point and 
the I think weekend courses are almost they're dying. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. And and the the beauty of of your of any online model, but particularly this one, is I could be just there watching that adductor magnus technique, and then like on my five minute break or my hour break, and then I go back. And I have a client in, and oh my god, like this could be perfect right now for this person. So like it's like this integration right away. Like we'll keep going there. Yeah, that that's massive. I mean, it's more like we want people to understand exactly why they're doing it. I think that's that's so important. Yeah, that they're not just releasing muscles for the sake of it. They're not just releasing tissues, massage, or, or they're not giving a rehab exercise. You know, just for the sake of it. Yeah, There's actual yeah. thought process and a clinical yeah. reasoning behind it's, it. And, just, just like, just like you know, the old saying, throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. You got to get away from that, like. Exactly, and and that's exactly what we're trying to do now is 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 educate the next um, generation of of physios that that we'd like to see in terms of the pro sport academy and pro sport physio and like I'm I'm always getting rat, um, phone calls and stuff and you know people asking do you know any good physios and and you know coaches and stuff will ring and stuff so. I'm from now on basically I'm, I'm only going to recommend people that I've trained up yeah, um, personally yeah. so anyone that, that's doing that course obviously then you know they will be getting recommended so but I, I'm happy that they understand it and you know and that um, if they're going into a club that they're a representation of what I'm delivering so obviously the quality is, is massively important Is there any um, in-person errors on that or is it just it is all online? Possibly um, I mean this is the first one which is why we're kind of making it a little bit cheaper, but yeah, the, there is a possibility that we're going to do a weekend where a two-day weekend where we kind of put everything together for them. Yeah, um, it's just it's just like for me, like it, like again, as I said, I love online, but I suppose for me, like if I was in your shoes, I'd still because you just said there you want them to be representing you, like obviously, so I'd still like like to see the person, you know, because you like. Yeah. Because if they came like and they they were just bluffers, you'd be like, "Listen, I can't pass you. You clearly didn't study any of this yeah. stuff." I, there, there will be some form if they want like like a certification type thing. I think they would they will have to do an exam, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of you know if they want to be certified or or if they were coming, I think if I was putting somebody in a club now, they like in my head what I'd do is they'd come and spend like a month with me, yeah, or something like that, or two weeks so that that they're up to scratch and they have the personality because I think the personality is, is pretty important as well brilliant brilliant yeah and uh, is there like the the cost of it it is out like can you say it officially online or yeah like we're, we're charging 200 uh, pounds starting to register that's like basically secures your place and that, that covers your first month and then um it's then 11 months monthly payments of 150 pounds starting wow so, that, that's it like I mean that is that's nothing yeah, well, to be honest, that like we wanted to do it at a reasonable rate for the first one because obviously there, there will be hiccups. But I mean, some of the people I've got lecturing to, you know, I can't really say at the moment because I I need to confirm them properly. But I'm in talks with them at the moment, and like I'm excited to to listen to them. So like all the stuff that that kind of governs my systems, I've got the top or some of the top people and and practitioners to actually lecture the backgrounds of them, and then I'm going to show you. Well, I implement that stuff if that makes sense. So I'm just like yeah. so. So basically, you're getting that world class course for less than two hundred pounds sterling or two thousand pounds sterling a year at at the moment. Obviously, it's gonna go up when it gets more uh, when it gets more sort of recognized. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, well, it's, it's like yeah, and it's it's one of those like 
I'm happy enough to do it at that at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, all, all the listeners say, shut the fuck up, Robbie, because I want to sign up and you're fucking the price up. <laughs> no, no, as I said, it, 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 like, obviously, the, we're not doing it for, for the good of our health and stuff like that. But, oh, yeah. Like, I, I think anyone that's willing to commit to that, they're the right type of person, you know, and, and I, I only want to work with, like, like, people like yourself, like, positive people. I don't want anyone on that course who's, you know, real skeptical and negative, like, their skepticism is good, but you need to open your mind as well. And True, yeah, you know, yeah. I know, I know what so, you're saying. Yeah, like people be like, well, like, the, like that technique's bullshit. And it's just like, hold on, you like, you don't have to come across like that. If you, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, all the stuff we're doing, like, it's it's tried and tested. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dress it up or um, or dress it down and stuff. This is the stuff we use every single day. Like this, like I'm not gonna be able to show people some other techniques. Like I can't show people ART. But I can show people the next best thing if that makes sense because I wouldn't dream of, of teaching people ART. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But there, there's certainly other ways to skin a cat. And, you know, if your palpation's good, you know the exact structure and you know what you're palpating, what your feel is, then you don't necessarily need ART. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, massage and, and stuff that have been there from, from the beginning is just as, as appropriate. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So, uh, and listen, there'll be links to, to everything here in the in the show notes. So, you know, the ACL video. Hopefully, I'll get that, and, and definitely to to the Pro Academy website. Um, like I again just had a quick look of it. There was a Facebook ad for it, and I clicked in. And I have to say, like you know, I'm I'm like like everyone. I'm like I want to do that course. I want to do that course. I want to do that course. So, hopefully, you now hopefully if I get a bit of moolah together, I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna invest in that because. Yeah, instead of we we'll be running it, um, well, hopefully annually or you know or something like that. Um, once Brilliant. once we get this first one out of the way, but um, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. but all, I'm excited about it. Said some of the people I've got lined up to talk in it as well is is unbelievable. So I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to kind of refresh my brain and oh, yeah. like this even the stuff with with the Franz Bosch debate there and stuff. It, it's good like constantly questioning yourself and go shit. I actually. Actually, I'm wrong here. You know what I mean, and, and I'm fully expecting people to bring stuff to the table and, and yeah, question yeah. what I'm doing and going. Actually, I need to change that now. You know, and, and improve it because I'm all up for for improving that system that I'm using. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Like saying to myself, like I teach strength conditioning mentorships, like um, oh, I'm forever updating things, and it's like people have said to me, like, would you ever like? I'm only 28, 28 in May now. Like people ask, would you ever write a book? And I'm like, I'm 28. Like I'm not like 70. You know, I still have a lot of years to go like that's not to say anyone who's, who's had a book out before that isn't good but the reason why i haven't had one out yet is like like don't get me wrong i'd say there's a lot of people listening to this who are the same you may, you might be the same too you might have actually a book already on your laptop in terms you might have 30 30 60 90 000 words typed out in a, in a in a word document but it's just the fact you keep learning so much new stuff you're like oh, i by the time that book went to print about 30 percent of it you wouldn't even do it anymore you know? exactly it's just all just quicker and better ways to do things isn't it like we're you're always trying to get to the same destination. It's just the the tools and stuff that, that you use might change a little bit. But I suppose I see the 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 more the, sorry I keep I'm and I'm terrible for cutting across oh, people. Right. The, I suppose the more I actually even learn it is that you got to nearly stop thinking about things as a destination and the whole idea is the journey the whole the whole process is just being the journey like that so like you know that we we and you were talking saying jesus we did this four or five years ago but like i still wouldn't change that because it, it's led me Absolutely. to where i am now and there's stuff yeah. i'm doing now that i'll say in five years time fuck what was i at but again i still wouldn't change it because it's it's all just part of the growth and development like so i yeah uh, i've kind of changed the process of a destination i know you didn't necessarily even mean it like that it was just you know, it's it's really like it's just it's the whole idea of the journey and the growth and development, like. 
Absolutely, and like and to be fair, even like even said that it's good that we've done all that stuff because sometimes you just take a step back and you go. I was doing mulligans four years ago, and that helped, you know. And try a mulligan, and it'll help with that patient, yeah, you know. And, yeah. and it's like fuck, I've been doing everything else, and the mulligan that I done four years ago was the thing that cleared it. And I had that with a, a guy in preseason, mm. you know. And it's just mad. And sometimes you forget the stuff that worked because you learn other stuff, and that's dangerous as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny you say that because I, I was looking at one of Christian Thibodeau's books, like it's an old book, it's like 10, 12 years old, and it was real heavy bodybuilding type book, and I'm just. At the moment, Christian's really into CrossFit and Olympic lifting, and, and the talk CrossFit mind, I was like, I wonder, does, has he forgotten some of this stuff he has in this book? Like, you know, like it's yeah. that's where he was at that time, like, because there was some detailed information in this book, like, and uh, yeah, the talk came to my mind that there's there's times in your life where you were so into this one thing and then you changed, then you're kind of like, Jesus, remember I used to know that thing and say, oh, I always used to use that, and it's kind of like, yeah, but exactly, you said with the mulligan technique, you know, you nearly, it's nearly nice to have that little refresher sometimes too. Just in, in terms, David, then, of just wrapping up the show with uh, resources. I love asking about resources, you know, and the resources could be anything, and it doesn't have to be even rehabilitation or training uh, focus. It could be anything. And so, like, you know, is there, what are your, like, you know, top books, DVDs, courses, movies, people to see, interns, anything, meditation techniques, anything? Like, what are your top resources? Uh, um, the big one I'm at the moment is The Secret. I don't know if you've seen the movie or the book. I have. I've read both the book and seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm massive into that at the moment. It's been, been good. My my missus is into it as well, which helps. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then anytime she's whinging, I'll just remind her of it. But, um, <laughs> but um, no, that, that's had a big influence. I, I think as physios, we can take a lot from that as well, you know, in, in terms of actually believing that you're going to get results with the patient coming in yeah. and also instilling that belief into them. Um, that, that's been massive, that, that kind of positive... Um, positive thinking, or, or whatever you want to call it, you know, and I and I don't I don't like being around negative people anymore. I actively like remove myself from them now, and, and environments like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think it's just draining. I can't be arsed anymore, to be yeah. honest. Um, sure, it's, you know, in Tim Ferriss's book, he's like you're the reflection of the five people you spend most time with. So be careful of who you spend that time with. Exactly, and like it, you know, what what people think you and stuff like that. I, I can't be arsed anymore, but. Uh, you know, so that that's been a big one. Um, I think you're alleged, Dave. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Maybe I do care. Um, <laughs> no, um, the that um, that new book from um, uh, James Earl's Born to Walk. That's um, that's a really good book. Um, yeah. I, I think that you know some of the stuff, and that's unbelievable for the price of it. Is he Irish, James Earl? Yeah, yeah, he's from Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. I actually interviewed him. Um, last week for for my own podcast on PB Run Free but it came out um, a little bit scrappy so we need to redo it yeah I've heard good things I've heard good things about him but I've never actually seen much of his stuff yeah he um, again well possibly um, he doesn't know yet but hopefully he'll be on the, the mentorship as well brilliant um, and yeah he, he's, his stuff's really good he's kind of combined Gary Gray's work with Anatomy Trains so you know, I have spent a fortune on, on Gary Gray. I've got every single DVD I reckon, and he's basically come along for twenty quid and read a book. I could have cried when I saw it, but um, it's it's an unbelievable book. It's well worth getting in terms of the kind of the, the lengthening or the taking up the slack part of the system that I use. Um, and then uh, what else? Um, 
any 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 books or like anything any self-development books or training books rehab books like what if anything yeah, there I like I like the Robert Frost's Applied Kinesiology book wow um, yeah, nice. I think that's really really good if you want to look at muscle testing good. I think you, you can take a lot of um, good stuff from that again it goes to the source of this stuff you know you can see what all these courses were built upon you know and I think that's important that you don't lose track of that um Self-development. Uh, I. You're looking at your bookshelf there, are you? No, well, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, to be honest, I'm doing a lot more business at the moment because. Yeah, no, that's good too. Like, have you read stuff like Emit and stuff like that, or? No, I, I Perry Marshall's um, eighty twenty. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The that's per- really good. Per- per- Pareto principle. Yeah, um, I'm big into that. Um, I'd say yeah, I, I'd say some of the listeners would like to know what, what, some of the courses you've taken and, and what what have you taught them. So you, obviously we know you, you've done PRI, you've done you've done anatomy, emotion, like so. Like, would you rec- would you highly recommend those courses? Or oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, they're, they're brilliant. What what else would you recommend? ART and recommend ART, yeah, if you can afford it. Um, SFMA, dry needling. You... Um, that that's okay, dry needling. I don't I don't think it's essential. It wouldn't be my first choice. Yeah. Um, but it's useful, very useful for scars actually. Um, you know, if you've got surgical scars. Um, what else? Uh, Any of the FMS courses or? Um, FMS. Uh, yeah, that's good. I've probably gone away from that. We we done it in Leeds in two thousand and eight. Um, but I I haven't I've. Not, not because I, I don't buy into what they're saying right there, but I haven't really spent as much time listening to Greg Cook and them lately. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I've got the book Movement, an unbelievable book, and it has a massive influence. You know, that SFMA has had a big influence in, in how I'm treating now. Yeah. But I haven't really spent as much time, kind of, I'm not sure where they're at at the moment. Did you take the SFMA, did you? No, I've never done it. Um, not the SMA. I took a one-day course up in Edinburgh, yeah. but not the actual, the full weekend course, if that makes sense. I know what you're saying, I know what you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a movement conference in 2009, he'd done like this one-day course, like it was basically a very watered-down version of it. Was that with Shirley Sarman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, remember seeing that when it was on there. Yeah, I've been on her courses, they're really good. Um, the the Neurodynamics, Clinical Neurodynamics, Michael Shockler, that's yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, the nervous system uh, butler. Um, you else? were we at that Robert Kavanagh course, were you? Like, the, which one? Is Robert Kavanagh? Is that his name? I've seen some pictures. Yeah, all proprioceptive deep tendon reflex. Was that good? Was it? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm studying that at the moment. It's it's unbelievable. Well, it's just mind-numbing to be honest. Is it? And yeah. That's all an interpretation of applied kinesiology. Yeah. So, yeah. A bit like neurokinetic turret, but a different version. But that's more. Um, about receptors and that, that like that's just unbelievable the stuff and it's what I'm get, I'm enjoying the knowledge that he teaches out of it rather than the technique itself if that makes sense. I know, so, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Kind of actually what's going on and stuff is is, is fascinating, but Brilliant. that's is pretty heavy. It's pretty expensive, but it's pr- like it's four four day courses um, in London, so you know you're you're, you're hitting about a grand uh, a course really. Yeah, yeah. at a time but um, but it, it's it's unbelievable um, some of the stuff in it but it's one of those if you want to do it you probably need to commit to it yeah. so you can't really get away with doing the intro course because it, it doesn't even tip the iceberg if that makes sense yeah, um, what else 
Mulligan's courses were useful, um, but I think I think any course where you're getting a good anatomy and you're getting an opportunity to get good at your palpation, I think, I think that's massively underrated, and that's something I'm going to do a lot of with the mentorship is actually do the palpation, so actually making sure people are on what they think they're on, yeah. um, you know, and, and there's going to be a big emphasis on that. Um, as well as, as obviously the techniques and, and palpating the tissues, um, you know, and, and what's normal tone and what's not normal tone. You know, I, I think um, we can get we can always get a little bit better at that. Definitely, definitely. And just to, to to wrap up there, in terms of just like advice. So I know that we resources like just like advice to any of the listeners. Anything like you know. You know, get more sleep, drink more water, eat better foods, be with your loved ones more. What What would your top piece of advice be? Um, I, I I'm just I suppose I'm just in the middle of it at the moment. Just just that positive t- thinking, really. That yeah. you know, negative thoughts are no good to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. So just just trying to be real, real positive about everything you're doing. With I'm with everybody, and you know, that that's probably the biggest thing. I want to say that that secret book had a massive influence on. Um, on myself and it's even improved my um my um you know my, my work and stuff and actually it was a guy um that i want to mention gamma healing that book's brilliant uh chris walton he's a sports psychologist gamma healing yeah have a read of that it's brilliant and he uses applied kinesiology with um with with all that stuff with the psychology stuff brilliant um and he's obviously going to be on my mentorship as well and i've, I've treated chris and he's been really, really influential um, in kind of in the last year. In June, I met him uh, twelve months ago, actually, and you know, doing a lot of work on, on being, you know, being the best person you can be, and being the best physio you can be, and stuff, and you know, what your beliefs are and stuff like that, and, and the impact they have. Brilliant. So I definitely recommend him as well. Terry, Terry. David O'Sullivan, that was an hour and almost twenty-four minutes of pure gold. So. I really, I really appreciate you taking the time out today, you know, and uh, ah, no as I said, it's good to finally catch up with you. Oh, absolutely, and the very best of luck now, at Pro Academy. It's definitely something I'll be looking into, you know, just because me being just a lifelong learner, I'm just, you know, the, the more I can learn about human optimization and human performance, the the the, the more I'm going to invest. But listen, that was absolutely brilliant. Just stay online while I wrap up the show here, Dave. We'll, we'll, no we'll, worries. We'll have sure, a, thanks for having me no bother at all so for everyone listening that was an absolutely fantastic show I hope you really got something out of it all the links will be on the show notes over at the website Um, so guys make sure you keep subscribing on iTunes sharing it on Facebook and all that stuff you do and leave reviews on iTunes because apparently it helps with the ratings and so people can find the show I'm not really up to date with that stuff (laughs) I probably should be I should know the statistics of the show but also go over to upmentorship.com and have a look at the uh, Ultimate Performance Seminar Series any purchase of that really helps to support the podcast so guys for me and from David take care and stay strong (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.